All right, and then our purpose, purpose of Wellspring, why we come each Saturday, well, every other Saturday morning is for this purpose, to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ with the word of God so that they live gospel-transformed lives, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. It's just good to keep that purpose in front of us to remember why we come. Um, this is a very different well, not maybe very different, but it's different than probably most women's ministries, that, at least that I've been a part of before coming to Grace. And um, sometimes you can get, kind of forget why we're coming. Um, it's not just a Bible study, which a Bible study is great, but there's, um, this is just a training of life habits and just disciplines. Um, and it's for the purpose of strengthening our church, and it's for the purpose of living a transformed life um, that honors God. Discipline one. The heart. The faithful woman of God shepherds her heart worshipfully toward God through the word of God, and in particular, the gospel. If you would like to turn to First Chronicles 29, you can follow along as I read. I like finding in my daily reading um, verses or passages that either bring to light the importance of the disciplines that we have written out for us, or that maybe exemplify them. Um, and this one I read, I don't know, sometime this week, um, or last week maybe, and it's David's prayer. He um, really wanted to make a temple, wanted to make a house for God to dwell in, and God said, you know, it's not going to be you. I'm going to have your son Solomon build this house. Um, and it didn't seem to, you know, it didn't demolish David. He wasn't um, distraught over that. He decided to go ahead and start preparing, and he put so much together to prepare, um, help Solomon be prepared to start this big project. So he just gave a lot. He um, gathered materials, and this is a prayer that he prayed with um, some other people in Israel who also had been giving and offering things for this project that was going to take place. Anyway, I thought this prayer was so neat and such a good example of a heart that's coming to the Lord, worshiping him, and I'm going to go ahead and read Discipline 2 before we read this, because at the end of David's prayer, you'll see um, just a little, like one verse, where it, it um, is an example of Discipline 2. So Discipline 2 says, The home, the faithful woman of God, is concerned for those in her home and ministers to them with her heart fixed on God and his word. All right, so let's start in First Chronicles 29, verse 10. It says, So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. For we are sojourners before you and tenants, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand, and all is yours. Since I know, O oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, 
I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all and to build the temple for which I have made provision. I just thought that was such a sweet prayer to hear that he recognizes that all the things that he has been able to give and provide for this project are from God, and he's able to give to God out of what God's given to him. Um, And then there's even discipline three in there. Um, He's praying for the hearts of the people of Israel, that God would um, give them a heart that has an intention to worship him and to love him. And then the last verse there where he prays for Solomon, where he says he wants, he desires that God would give Solomon a perfect heart, which is a healthy, a united, whole heart to serve the Lord. And that's a great prayer for anyone in our household, for us to pray for them. Sorry. All right. Discipline three, ministry. With a heart fixed on God and keeping her God-given ministry within her home a priority, the faithful woman of God steps into the church in every part of life to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. And we're just going to review one of the one another's that Eric brought to our attention last week. It's in 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10. And I love that in this passage, the um, goal, the end goal for us serving, well, it's not the only, I maybe shouldn't say the end goal. It's one of the goals for us to serve each other is so that we can be good stewards of the grace that's been given to us. Um, and we were, I think we were t- touching on that on Sunday in Romans 12, just with we've all been given gifts and we've been given grace or provisions or whatever God's given us. We are to be stewards of that for the sake of glorifying God, but for the benefit of the body. So I love that in First Peter, you'll see that's one of the goals of serving and ministering. First Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So I think this lesson from Chris today will encourage us in this exact um, goal with having um, wanting to be a good steward of what we've been given um, without forsaking the most important thing. So um, let's pray, and then Chris will come up and teach. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a new morning, a new day, um, and for this, this day to come to Wellspring and to hear your word taught and to be with other women who love you, who are um, seeking to glorify you in their lives and um, desiring to um, live out the disciplines that we've been um, putting before us for almost a whole semester now. God, I pray for Chris as she comes, and I just ask that you'd give her clarity and um, just joy in being able to explain the things that she's been studying from your word. God, thank you for this passage or the two passages um, where we get to see the example of Mary and Martha. God, we get to see um, your son um, and what he was like while he was here on the earth and the people that um, he was able to interact with. God, thank you that these things have been written down for us, for our instruction and for an example to us. 
God, I pray that you would use, use your word um, however you know is best um, for our, our own hearts, each one of us here. God, we pray that it would just end and result in your glory and in us loving you more. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Chris is coming. She's going to teach us on Martha and Mary. And it's so neat. At the In the summer, when we try to put together our um, schedule for the year, we actually are kind of thoughtful of trying to put um, certain subjects or lessons before or after something, or maybe right before a break, or right before like summer break. But there's so many different teachers, you don't really know who's going to be able to do what. Anyway, I think this was our, I could be wrong, maybe our second lesson, the second run through ended up being this one, and we're like, oh, this is perfect, right before Christmas, um, to talk about hospitality and what's most important. So anyway, you guys will enjoy this if you haven't heard this, and you'll enjoy it if you have heard it. <laughs> so thank you, Chris. Come on up. Janet, thank you for going over the disciplines. They are always so helpful um, for me. I, I love going over them and just reminding my own heart why we come together either Thursday or Saturday. Um, it's just so helpful. And I think the passage that we're going to go through this morning um, will also help us to grow in our understanding of discipline one and its interconnectedness with disciplines two and three, showing us why we must never neglect to bring our hearts before the Word of God and to remember His truths as we shepherd our hearts throughout the day. So this morning we're going to be looking at Luke 10. So if you would turn there with me, <clears throat> and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. And we're going to observe, as we do that, we're going to observe the lives of two women in order to learn more about the importance and the blessing of shepherding our own hearts and the danger that we face when we neglect to do so. So let's read our passage together. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So as we look into the lives of these two women this morning and consider Jesus' words to them, um, I, I believe it's going to reveal much to us about our own hearts, about what it means to be a godly servant, and what will keep us from God-honoring service. So I want to begin by first looking at what this passage is not about because I think it'll help us clarify Jesus' intent in the passage and not minimize what it has to reveal to us about our own hearts. So first of all, this passage is not about differing personalities or gifting. Okay, that's not what Jesus is addressing here in this passage. And the fact that Mary was seated at Jesus' feet, listening to his words, 
does not mean that she was unwilling to serve. We're going to see that as we go through um, the passage. The point of this passage is not to help us learn to become more balanced between Martha-type ministry and Mary-type solitude. And it's not that we should be unconcerned about serving. Rather, in this passage, Jesus focuses on the choices we make and the heart behind those choices. We see this so clearly in verse 42. Jesus said that Mary had chosen the good part, and the implication is that Martha had not. So let's look closer at these sisters and see what we learn from them. So in this uh, family, Martha is the older sister and Mary is the younger. They had a brother, Lazarus, who would soon die and uh, then would be brought back to life by Jesus. In fact, many commentators believe that Jesus, in his interaction with these sisters here in Luke 10, is preparing them for this very trial that they will soon face. So this family lived in Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem. And it seems likely that Martha and Mary were two of the many people who had heard Jesus teaching very early on in his ministry. Both, both Luke and John recorded that Jesus enjoyed hospitality in their home on at least three occasions. And I think it's interesting that John makes it a point to record that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And we see evidence of that love um, in Jesus' words as he speaks, uh, particularly to Martha. And so this morning, we need to look really carefully at the words that Jesus spoke to, spoke to Martha as well as to Mary and why they needed to be spoken. Because it is his words that will strengthen us in our service and will reveal to us the things that will distract us from a service that is honoring to God. So let's look at verse 38. In this verse, we see a heart to serve. You see that on your outline. Now, as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So we get the impression from this short passage that Jesus knew this family in Bethany well. Jesus met Martha somewhere in the village, probably it was in the marketplace, um, as she was gathering the things that were needed for the day. And we are introduced to Martha with these words, Martha welcomed him into her home. It was Martha who welcomes Jesus into their home. And the idea is that she immediately welcomed him when she saw him. These words imply a great deal. There's a sense of eagerness in Martha's desire to have Jesus in her home. Do you see Martha's good intentions? She has a good desire. She wanted to serve Jesus by providing a meal, preparing a meal and providing a place for him to stay. And most likely that meant for all of those who were traveling with Jesus as well. So this is a good thing. The idea of being welcomed here indicates that she received Jesus into her home for the purpose of showing hospitality and kindness to him. It communicates that she wanted to shower him with kindness as she met his needs. It's evident that Martha loved Jesus. And yet, there is a great warning for us in this passage. We can have the best of intentions to serve and to extend kindness 
to those in our homes, to those who we invite into our homes. Our intention can be to serve to the glory of God, but good intentions do not guarantee a good outcome. We must not be deceived into thinking that good intentions are all that is required because we all have the potential to undo our good intentions if we are not careful to watch over our hearts as we serve others. We must guard against that undoing by choosing the one thing that Jesus said is necessary. So let's look at Mary and learn more about her choice. We see in Mary a heart engaged. That's number two on your outline. Look at verse 39. She, Martha, had a sister called Mary. Did you catch the simplicity of what we're told about Mary? Martha had a sister called Mary. That's all the information that is needed for the setting of this passage. Now, there's a reason for that. The simplicity of this introduction of Mary places all of the weight on the action that follows. Anything else that could have been said about her would have been of small importance in comparison with this one thing that we are to take note of. It is what she was doing. She was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. This sister sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary desired to be with Jesus. She was taking full advantage of the opportunity that she had to take in his words. Now, there is no indication in this passage that this action was considered idle or unwarranted. In fact, we find from Jesus' words the exact opposite. Even though, as a woman, Mary had every cultural reason not to be seated at Jesus' feet, listening to his words. In fact, culturally, she had every reason to be with Martha instead. Because a woman serving a rabbi in that day was her common and acceptable role. This was what would have been expected. But here we find Mary assuming and preferring the role of a pupil, a student, a disciple under Jesus' teaching. That was very unusual in that culture. And it helps us understand her strong desire to be with Jesus taking in his words. Now notice that this action on the part of Mary is the only action that we read about her in this passage. Yet it's the main point of the passage. Mary understood the priority and the privilege of being with Jesus. This was a woman who was disciplined in turning her heart toward Jesus in order to take in his words because it, is his, it was his word that revealed more of him to her. Now, this takes purposeful choice. She chooses to be free from distractions, even the good distractions, in order to choose the best. Mary understood that nearness to Jesus was her good. She was very intentional in her choice, and we must learn to be intentional in choosing to be near to Jesus as we take in his word and as we allow it to affect our hearts. This will happen when we, like Mary, 
understand the treasure we find in knowing him. Now, let's compare this with Martha. <clears throat> we see in verse 40, a heart distracted. That's number three on your outline. Verse 40 begins with, but Martha. Now, we know that when we see the word but, as we're reading, that there's a contrast coming. We just read that Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was distracted. Now, that word distracted means to be pulled away. Martha had become so overoccupied with her preparations to serve Jesus that she allowed her preparations to actually pull herself away from him. Now, the word distracted here is passive. It's a passive verb, meaning that she didn't fight against it. Martha did not bring herself to sit at the feet of Jesus because she allowed herself to become distracted by her service to him. Instead of keeping the focus that she seemed to have, have had in verse 38, when she welcomed Jesus into her home to show kindness and to lovingly serve him, she allowed herself to be pulled away from Jesus. In addition, Jesus describes Martha in verse 41 as worried and bothered. To be worried means to be anxious or to be troubled about something. It's fretting. It's the idea of brooding. And bothered is the word turbazo. It's the same word from which we get our English word turbulent. So that ought to give us a really good picture of what's going on inside of Martha's heart. Martha is troubled. She's all stirred up and she is visibly showing agitation. Worried here shows us that, that there's an inward fretting, while bothered shows us that there is an outward agitation. And what is it that has Martha so distracted and worried and bothered? Well, let's look at verse 40 again. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Now, I want to make sure that we understand that it was not wrong for Martha to serve Jesus. Her preparations began out of her love for him. It wasn't wrong for Martha to serve, and it's not wrong for us to serve. That's not the point of this passage. Serving and working hard in service is good. In the early church, women were known for their service. Paul in Romans 16, one and two, commends Phoebe, who was a servant and a helper in the church and to Paul personally. In verse 3, Paul refers to Priscilla as his, as his fellow worker in Christ Jesus. In Acts 16, 14, and 15, it tells us that Lydia opened up her home and extended hospitality to Paul and to the church. And in Luke 4:39, we find that immediately after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she got up and she waited on them. She served them. These women are not in any way rebuked for their service. So this passage is certainly not telling us that we should neglect extending kindness by serving others. In fact, look up just a few verses, starting in verse 33, right before this passage. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, 
where Jesus had just taught us that we are to love others by our actions, by serving our neighbor. Serving reflects the glory of God. We were created to bear that image as one who serves. A strong desire to meet a need was not Martha's problem. It's not our problem. That's not what spoils our service. What spoiled Martha's service was a heart that was not anchored and steadied and fixed and engaged on Jesus and his words. Martha neglected to see that Jesus' words would have actually benefited her serving. Instead, we see in Martha a heart that was distracted and swept away from Jesus by her preparations. Look again at verse 40. We're told that Martha was distracted by all her preparations. This means that she was distracted by much service. Jesus said to her in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you were worried and bothered about so many things. Now we all know that we can miss the heart of serving our families and uh, by serving others, by being lazy. But we can also miss the right heart of service by being distracted and thinking that our service is more important than focusing our minds and our hearts on Jesus himself. When our hearts are swept away by our service and we are not anchored to Jesus, this is when we lose our focus on what truly matters. This is what happened to Martha. She was distracted by her service, and in doing so, she totally missed what was necessary. She missed the good part. She missed the opportunity to learn from the one she was trying to serve. Again, Jesus did not rebuke Martha for serving, but for allowing her mind and heart to become distracted and drawn away to the things that for that moment were unimportant by comparison to what Jesus had for her, to learn from him. And we, like Martha, may very well become distracted and worried and bothered by an inaccurate view of what is most important, what is necessary in any given moment. There are many things that can tempt us to this same sinful distraction and worry. We can become distracted by perhaps trying to please man rather than God when we are concerned with what people think of our service to the point where we're distracted, where we're pulled away from the one that we are ultimately trying to serve. Proverbs 29, 25 calls this the fear of man. And it says the fear of man becomes a snare. It easily ensnares us into this same kind of turmoil that we see in Martha. We can become prone to distraction when we are self-focused, when we, we are wanting things done our way and in our timing. We're also susceptible to sinful distraction when we are excessively concerned with what others are doing or perhaps what they are not doing, maybe even to the point of judging them or being embittered toward them. This happens when we are not fixing our eyes on Jesus 
and the privilege we have of knowing him and serving him and finding our greatest joy in him. We must guard against becoming more concerned with what we get done than with how we get it done. And we must guard against the temptation to use intimidation or manipulation or nagging because getting something done becomes more important than being like Christ in the, that moment. So ladies, if we desire to grow in grace, to grow in holiness of life, we must guard our hearts so that we are not carried away by the things that will take our focus off of our Savior. When we neglect to guard our hearts, but rather allow them to become distracted and swept away from Jesus, that is, that, that is when we miss out on what Jesus calls the good part. When we do, rather than displaying our love for Jesus, our service becomes a display of misplaced priorities, and it becomes a burden rather than a joy. Working hard in service is not wrong. Jesus never told Martha that her service was meaningless. Rather, Jesus knew that Martha needed to see that her heart was swept away from him. So let's think about this. Whose choice was it to become distracted <clears throat> and worried and bothered? There's no one that Martha could blame but herself. By not fighting against it, she chose to be distracted. And ladies, we have that same choice. We must realize that when our hearts hold weakly to Christ, it is because we choose it to be this way. Martha chose to have a distracted and worried and bothered heart, and it didn't stay confined within Martha. Her sinful distraction bore bitter fruit. Let's look at verse 40 again. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him. Now remember what Jesus is doing. He's teaching. And Martha came up to him to make her appeal. Martha was deceived into thinking that she had made the better choice. And it seems that Martha assumed that Jesus would have that same evaluation of the situation that she did once she was able to point it out to him. When our hearts are not fixed on God in his word, it's so easy to be blinded by our own sin, isn't it? And so Martha, in thinking that her actions were justified, interrupted Jesus as he was teaching. And what was on Martha's mind? Well, let's finish reading the verse. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. It seems that Martha was looking for someone to blame. That's the bitter fruit that we see. First, she found fault with Jesus. Listen again to her words. Lord, do you not care? She accused Jesus of being insensitive to her. Now, 
Let's think about that. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. In four months, he would be hanging on a cross. And Martha, in her self-centeredness, asks him, Do you not care? She blamed him for not caring enough about her to send Mary back in to help her with her preparations. Martha found fault with Jesus because he allowed Mary to sit with him, to sit at his feet, and to learn from him. And Martha didn't stop with blaming Jesus. She also reproached Mary for abandoning her when she said, my sister has left me to do all the serving alone. It is evident by her words and her actions that Martha's heart was not set on being near to Jesus in this moment, that she didn't see that her choice was not the right choice. In this moment, all that she could see was what she thought was wrong with all of those around her. Now, we can't read this passage and separate ourselves from it. We are all capable of this kind of blame shifting. Martha's words and actions show us how subtly and sinfully pride can corrupt even the best of our intentions. What a great reminder this is for us of how much our hearts need shepherding all day long. Because like Martha, we can easily allow ourselves in any given moment to become distracted, stirred up in our minds, and carried away by our emotions, and allow our desires to turn into demands. And when we choose this, we sin right in the middle of our service. And if our hearts are left unshepherded, we may find ourselves looking for excuses and even assuming that we know others' motives in making accusations against others, even toward God. We see the same accusation in Mark 4. In verses 35 and 36, we're told that it was evening and it was getting dark and Jesus had just gotten into the boat with his disciples. And verse 37 says, And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, it became perfectly calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Did you hear their accusation? Teacher, don't you care? How quickly we can draw wrong conclusions about God's character based on our circumstances rather than on the truth that's revealed in his word. This accusation reveals the disciple's heart just as it, as it revealed Martha's heart and often as it reveals our own hearts. Here's a great warning for us here 
our hearts can so easily become self-centered, so focused on ourselves at the very moment that we need to be focus, focusing on and trusting in Jesus. It shows us how critical it is for us to be soaking in his word so that we don't forget him throughout our day, so that our thoughts, our responses, our hearts reflect what is true about him. Look again at verse 40. When Martha said, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? It shows us her greatest concern in that moment. She was concerned with one thing, that she was left alone in her excessive service. From Martha's perspective, Mary had deserted her. And there's something else that Martha's words reveal. When she said to Jesus, don't you care that my sister left me? She's indicating that Mary had indeed been serving with her. But Mary, unlike Martha, knew what part of serving was necessary. And then she was willing to stop in order to be with Jesus. Mary understood this right priority. She had prepared what was necessary, but then left to her service in order to listen to Jesus' teaching. But meanwhile, it seems that Martha felt entitled to Mary's help. Martha couldn't see that Mary had left for a good reason, for the right reason. And we see that in her words to Jesus when she said, then tell her to help me. She told Jesus what to do. At this point, it seems that Martha had become convinced that Mary should be serving her rather than being with Jesus. Again, we, see, we see here where her desire became a demand. You see the pride in this? It seems that Martha thought she knew what was best for everyone. And just like Martha, our sinful pride can make us susceptible to judgment, to all kinds of evil, anger, resentment, jealousy, the critical spirit, unkindness. How easy it is for us to get caught up in our own whirlwind of things to do, even to the point that we forget who we are, that we are his servants, and we can forget how needy we are of him. And when we do, we lose sight that it is his strength and his words which help us persevere in our service and that he is the one who gives us the wisdom to know what is truly important. Being with Jesus shapes our heart attitude so that we are willing to acknowledge and repent of our pride and to put aside this, the things that are unnecessary so that our serving will bring honor to him. Let's look at one last bitter fruit that we see in Martha's sinfully distracted heart. We see it in Jesus' words to her in verse 42. Um, let me begin by reading in verse 41 again, though. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. 
but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus' words show us that what Mary had chosen was necessary because it had eternal value. But Jesus' words also reveal something that was going on inside of Martha. They reveal Martha's bitterness over Mary's choice. Martha was deceived into thinking that her distracted service was most important. And she began to resent her sister's wholehearted eagerness to receive instruction from Jesus because it left her alone in her distracted service. And again, just like Martha, our service can never be pleasing to the Lord when it comes from a heart that is self-centered. Jesus knew that Martha's heart was not right in this moment. Now again, there's no doubt that Martha loved Jesus, but her misguided idea of what it meant to serve him had to be exposed so that she could repent of it. And Jesus is so faithful to do that. Let's look at what Jesus said to Martha to expose the sin in her heart, to expose her mistaken identity of what it meant to serve him. We see in verse, verses 41 and 42, a heart set right. That's number four on your outline. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. We see Jesus' tender mercy toward Martha. Jesus didn't dismiss her when, even when she interrupted him, but he stopped and he addresses her concern and her sin. Like a tender parent, Jesus corrected Martha's wrong thinking when he gave her the gentle rebuke that was needed. Martha, Martha. The repetition of Martha's name by Jesus shows his love for her. It is intended to bring her back gently. There is a sense of tender affection and grace in Jesus' concern for Martha. She needed to be lovingly yet firmly rebuked because she had failed to choose the one thing necessary. Proverbs 27, 6 tells us faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus' words are the balm that Martha needed. She needed to see that her heart was distracted, <clears throat> worried, and bothered. She needed to see that she was unwilling to look within her own heart to see her own sin. That in only looking outside of herself, she had been making an inaccurate diagnosis of what she sensed was wrong with those around her. Whenever we criticize others and pity ourselves because we feel burdened by our service, we must stop and take time to examine our own hearts. Perhaps in all of our busyness, we've been ignoring the Lord by not taking in his life-giving word. Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do. Rather, her problem was that she had allowed her work to distract her and pull her away from Jesus. 
if serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, then there is something terribly wrong with our service. There's something terribly wrong with our hearts. Jesus knew that Martha needed to understand that her motive in serving was no longer pure. Who had become the focal point of Martha's service? She had. Therefore, Jesus was not honored by Martha's service, and he had no intention of defending it. Jesus knew what Martha needed. He knew that there was only one thing needed. One thing. It was what Mary had chosen, to sit at the feet of Jesus in order to take in his words. And we must choose this same thing that Jesus is telling us is necessary <coughs> to feast on his word. Now, did, you, did Martha heed Jesus' loving yet firm rebuke? Well, we don't know exactly, but in your homework, you looked up John 12. And you might have noticed that in this passage, it's just six days before Jesus went to the cross. And we find him in Bethany once again, eating supper, and it says Martha was serving. But did you notice what it doesn't say? There's no rebuke. There's no account of her interrupting, just serving. And so I think we have reason to at least hope that Martha's heart attitude had changed. And that gives us such great hope, doesn't it? It reminds us of the faithfulness of our great shepherd. And then in verse 42, we see a heart that feasts. That's number five on your outline. The rest of Jesus' response commends Mary um, in her choice. And we see this when he said, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part that shall not be taken away from her. She had chosen the one thing that truly mattered. Instead of choosing to become distracted and allowing her, her heart to become divided, Mary chose the one thing that ended all distraction and division of heart. She had chosen the good part. She chose to be near to Jesus in order to take in his words. And we, too, must discipline ourselves to that. It is a choice that we make. Mary was intentional in what she chose. And if we are to choose what Jesus said is the good part, we have to plan for it. It is a commitment of time and effort. If we are to have the one thing that is necessary, then we may have to reevaluate our time, our schedules, and our priorities, and make whatever changes that we, can, that we find are necessary so that we have room for this choice. Have you ever noticed that we don't have to plan for our hearts to drift? That just happens if we do nothing, right? But we do have to plan to be with Jesus, to meet with him, in his word. We don't have to plan for self-importance that would keep us away from the word, but we do have to plan for Jesus' importance to increase in our lives. 
in the midst of Mary's service, she chose something that led her away from her service in order to improve her service. Certainly her time at Jesus' feet, taking in his words, would have changed how she would have stepped back into her preparations along with her sister Martha. How her service would have been better. How Martha would have been ministered to by a woman whose heart had been near to Jesus. The whole atmosphere of service had the potential of being infused with the aroma of Christ. You see the important lesson that, that this shows us? As his servants, we must be very wise with our time in order to get our hearts ready to serve, whether it's in our homes, whether it's outside of our homes. And we do that by taking in his word, by being near to our Savior, so that we can enter back into our service with a heart that is refreshed and prepared to serve, relying on God's grace, with a service that is honoring to him. What we do with our hearts every morning or whenever you choose to spend time in his word and throughout the day, coming before him with a humble, submissive heart will make more of an impact on our service in our homes, in our small groups, in the way that we serve on Sunday mornings, in our school, in our job than anything else we might do. This is the choice that we must continually make. We all can be distracted by so many things. Excessive service can be a temptation in any area of our lives. Extending care to those in our home is right but allowing that care to distract us from spending time with God in his word is not choosing what Jesus said is the one thing necessary. Spurgeon once said, you are not losing time while you are feeding the soul. I love that. It is so good. You are not losing time while you are feeding the soul. Martha became more interested in accomplishing while Mary's focus stayed on a person. She was consumed with Christ. She chose to feast on his words. Mary saw Jesus for who he was. Therefore, she, was discipl she disciplined herself to make the choice to be near her portion. Listen to some of the Psalms that describe God as our portion. Hear the hope that the psalmist finds in knowing God in this way. Psalm 73:26 says, My heart, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 142:5 says, I cried out to I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. In Psalm 119.57, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. To be close to God and to have him as one's portion is to have a heart that is teachable, eager 
to learn from him. This is the single-mindedness that Mary had. We sense her wholehearted love for her Savior, that nothing would tear her away from him. Mary chose what would benefit her heart and what would ultimately benefit those around her. When we, like Mary, choose this treasure, we will never be disappointed. And how do we know that? We have the privilege of being able to look back on the cross and all that Jesus accomplished there. And we need to remember that, especially in light of this passage. Listen to all that we've been warned against. We've been warned that good intentions don't guarantee a good outcome. We've seen that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. We saw that we can easily misjudge what is actually necessary for service, and that when we do, we can so quickly allow that to lead us down a path of sinful distraction so that we miss the very one we are ultimately serving. And we saw that we can also allow other things to distract us from a heart fixed on Jesus. The fear of man, or selfishness, or other misplaced priorities. We were warned that if we find our hearts carried away like Martha's was, that it is because we have chosen to, to hold weakly to Christ. And we also saw that a sinfully distracted heart bears bitter fruit, blaming, self-centeredness, an attitude of entitlement, pride, judgment, and bitterness, and all the while being blind to the very danger, that very dangerous place to which our hearts can wander. We can so easily sin against those closest to us right in the middle of serving them. And so we need to heed these warnings. We need to repent where God exposes sin. And we need to remember that in the midst of conviction that we can find encouragement, there is always hope. Jesus knew that we would be women just like Martha, who needed to be forgiven and cleansed and made new in him. And so he died and he rose again for us. And we need to remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see that in how gently Jesus restored Martha. Jesus told Martha that she was worried and bothered about so many things. And you and I get worried and bothered about so many things. And so we can rejoice that Christ died for our sinfully worried and bothered hearts. And remember that if we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sinful worry and distraction or any of its bitter fruit, but that we now have the ability to say no to that sin. Because we are slaves to Christ, we can diligently pursue holiness of life. And so even when we find our hearts 
maybe having become distracted, we can always flee right back to our master, Jesus. And we can cry out to him and confess that we need him. And he will be faithful to help us reorder our priorities and our hearts. I want to end this morning, this morning with a quote from Ryle's commentary on Luke. He wrote, Mary chose what was for the benefit of her soul. She was seeking more grace. She was striving after closer communion with God and his Christ. This was the portion which she preferred to everything else and to which she was willing for a time to postpone all earthly care. Those who seek such a portion will never be disappointed. Their treasure will never be taken away from them. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father, we are so thankful for your word. Thank you that in your word you give us warnings so that we will be careful to keep our hearts near to you. Father, we know that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and worried and bothered when we are not careful, when we're not, att when we're not attentive to continually shepherd our hearts back to you. Father, we can so easily be led down a path of sinful distraction as we serve others, even those that we love. And Father, when we do that, we miss you, the very one who we ultimately desire to serve. And so, Father, we plead with you this morning that you would help us. And I, I pray particularly as we enter into this busy season of the year, that you would help us to remember how much we need you, how much we need your wisdom. Father, I, I pray that we would be consistent in our seeking you in your word, that if there are changes that need to be made in our schedules or in our hearts, Father, that we would run to you and that we would um, continually depend on you to help us. Father, we want to serve others, but we want our service to be honoring to you. And so we, so we pray, Father, that as we serve, particularly in the season before us, what an opportunity we have to serve. But Father, I pray that as we do that, that none of us would miss the one thing that Jesus said is necessary, and that is to feast on your word. So, Father, would you help us in that? Would you help us encourage one another in that over the next weeks and that really for the rest of our lives, Father, how much we need you and how thankful we are for your word. And so thank you for these, these reminders this morning. And I just pray now for the time that we go into our, the discussion groups, Father, that we would continue to learn from you, continue to learn from one another, one another as we share the things that you have taught us. And so thank you for this morning. Father, we love you and pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.